0: Hi and welcome to IndieWire's Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast. I'm Chris Will the editor of The Toolkit. My guest today is writer-director James Ponsalt, who last night uh, premiered his new film, The Circle, starring Emmy- Emma Watson and Tom-, Tom Hanks at the Tribeca Film Festival. And it opens uh, across the country tomorrow, Friday, April 28th. Thank you for being here.
1: Yeah, Thank you for having
0: me. Uh, IndieWire readers know James's work. um, You know, it's it's funny, Spectacular Now came up in the office. People still are so passionate about that movie. Oh, (laughs) oh, cool. Someone wanted me to talk to you about nothing but that. I was like, no, he's got a (laughs) new film. And then uh, most recently, a couple years ago, End of Tour, which was um, Jason Segel playing uh, David Foster Wallace, those five days he spent with journalist uh, David Lipsky at the uh, end of the uh, Infinite Jest tour. And something that I've always loved about your films um, is there's something so direct about them. It's not that you're not cinematic, but there's there's no story convention, there's no false artifice between um, the character and the audience and the story and the audience. A friend of yours and a, a fellow filmmaker uh, once said to me that there's something about James's films that are so human. It seems like a trite thing to say, mm-hmm. but for something something it really uh, really registered for me. And maybe uh, maybe I'm off here, but it strikes me that the circle presents something of a new challenge for you because it's a world Mm -hmm. you know it's i mean i I could watch this film and very much see it's yours but um it's a high concept there's layers there's this conspiracy um kind of underlying this google facebook and this idea um and so i have to imagine that was kind of like a challenge to the way that you normally tell stories right
1: sort of i mean you know i think you're always building a world um, when you make a film, whether it's you know with um, well, the end of the tour. I mean, that was a naturalistic world, but it was 20 years ago. It was ni- 1996, which mm-hmm. you know it's e- easy for us to maybe imagine what 1946 looked like or 1968, whereas just turning the dial back a hair uh, um, can actually be remarkably hard <laughs> as far as what you're what you're removing, what you're including, and just everything from costume design to how technology. Mm-hmm. sort of is, is used. So I think you're always building a world and, um, you know, but, but definitely in this circle you are building um, a sort of semi pretty insular, almost hermetically sealed world that sort of May Holland goes into. Um, I mean, I guess maybe what's similar is, you know, it's, it's a portrait of a person and, you know, the company and the gadgets are sort of in the background, but it's, it's about her and about her own humanity um mm-hmm. you know um which is that what
0: drew you to the story when you read when you read it's based on the david edgar's book
1: yeah yeah i mean I, i've loved all of dave's books since heartbreaking work of staggering genius which uh came out when i was in college and really just floored me and um and i i i think i've read most everything he's written and he just um felt like someone that was writing i think this is the way most readers feel about writers that they love but i felt like he was writing to me That I mean, he was writing maybe to people in my in my generation, and um, had his finger on the pulse of what it's like to be alive, you know, now. Mm -hmm. Um, And is also just a beautiful writer, and just incredibly funny, and smart, and humane. Um, And with The Circle, yeah, I found it fascinating. I I read it as soon as it came out, and I I found it to be hilarious, and I think Dave Eggers is, amongst other things, yeah, one of our great satirists, and um, I think that was sort of a descriptor that was sort of used by a number of critics when the book came out. They, they called it Orwellian or Swiftian, and I think mm-hmm. it is that. It has a great, wicked, acidic sense of humor that's very uh, subtle. Um,
0: and that's kind of one of the things for me that, I, and that maybe that's a point that I was trying to get at before, yeah. is is that that layers, that, sa- that satirical aspect, yeah. the fact that a lot of the people that are working at ca- uh, the, the circle itself, there's a duplicitous aspect to it, and and I understand what you're saying about the world building about you know the yeah. Midwest in yeah. the '90s, but there's an element of something so direct and so intimate about yeah. being in that room with Jesse and Jason. Yeah, yeah. And whereas this, there is there is that Edgar's satirical that you you re- referenced, 1984. You know that world there.
1: Yeah, and I think I mean I think for for May, I mean I think what most struck me about the book, um, ultimately May, we experience it through through one person, through May Holland. Um, who I think is like a surrogate for the reader, and then for the audience in the film. And she's someone that um, you know exemplifies some of the best qualities in us. You know, she's idealistic. Mm-hmm. She wants to make the world around her better. Um, she doesn't, you know, she she doesn't want to just be a consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she, ex- you know, possesses some of um, the qualities, certainly of myself. And I think a lot of us that we wouldn't. <laughs> want want to fess up to as much, you know, that we can be wildly insecure, that we can be casually petty, um, that we might sometimes lack the backbone or sense of self to really say no and define boundaries Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, and, you know, have our own strong feelings about something and not have a compulsive need to group think them first. Like I think, and and in in that way, she can be a really frustrating character. She can let us down and she can ultimately be kind of scary. In that she's given some power and what mm-hmm. she does with it um, it's unclear whether she actually deserves that or would be responsible with it and she's she's idealistic but doesn't really lack she lacks experience um, but I think you know the way that she's being pushed and pulled um, you know to, to be more available to be more present to give to this community that she's in I think it's it's, it's something that all of us probably feel, obviously it's under a microscope Mm -hmm. if you have a main
0: character work at a tech company. Right. Um, And so much of what you're talking about with the main character, um, and this is a hard thing because I don't want to spoil where this thing goes, I mean I think the previews give a certain sense of where this goes, but a lot of this is through social media, a lot of this is through, uh, one of the big devices here is um, something like a a Facebook live periscope on steroids um, type thing that this company is developing. as you talk about relating to her, I mean, what is? I mean, I have to imagine part of what you're seeing here is also your own relationship with social media, right? Is that is that something that you were? I mean, I think we're roughly the same age. I think there's an aspect of like that's something that came in as we were the teens, you yeah. know, or, la- or later, you know. It's like it's this element of we didn't grow up with it. Um, is there something, as you talk about that character, that you're kind of seeing it through the lens of like social media in your life?
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, I think I think social media is part of it but i mean i think the underlying issue and the big issue of of the the book and the film is like privacy and surveillance which are definitely um you know issues that you can look at through social media but i mean i think what it really comes down to is you know whether it's um someone's providing you the ability to search for free for all the information in the world or to articulate your political opinions Mm -hmm. um you know across the world or stay connected to your Friends and family across the world, whatever it is, these are really great, mostly free, seemingly free things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, and part of the larger project of saying, of say like sending civilians to outer space, exploring the bottom of the sea, mapping mm-hmm. the mind, curing cancer, all of these things are great things. Who would argue with that? I guess the sort of the issue is that part of what comes with it is, um, you know, that our personal information um, has been collected <laughs> Stored and in some cases it's monetized. Um, maybe simply to like market to us and sell to us better to make us better mm-hmm. consumers. But who, who knows? And it's one of those things. Whether we have the ability to opt out, whether that information either belongs to us or not, um, should be a uh, I think a, essentially a human rights issue that we should actually <laughs> talk about. And it doesn't. It doesn't make one. Um, you don't have to be a technophobe to raise these issues. It's one of those things where. In most cases, it's not that, say, the NSA or the CIA or some big boogeyman in the sky stole your information or my mm-hmm. information, although we should be angry that that might be happening. Um, it was that we passively acquiesced and mm-hmm. gave it away just for the ease of something free that we downloaded in
0: 20 seconds. Yeah, it's fine. I, there, I was reading last night, and I, I, I read this. Uh, Katie Rich did a really good piece in Vanity Fair with you from back when uh, End of Tour came out. And, there was this thing where I guess uh, a picture of Jason Siegel ended up online kind of early, and yeah. I know that was a big deal because David Foster Wallace is like such a following, and, yeah. and here was Jason Siegel playing him, and so that kind of went out, uh, you know, way before the movie was ready. Yeah, yeah. Someone and, snapped it in the mall. Yeah. And you kind of—it was interesting. You kind of engaged in that conversation that was going on. I mean, yeah. you had—you know—you didn't go into this not knowing that like you weren't going to have to deal with the, the David Foster Wallace aspect. And it was interesting because you said I, I tried to shut it off, but I can't. Of course, I read everything. I can't help it. I'm addicted to the internet. I also tried to see it from other people's point of view. I mean, there was part of me that was like, "Oh man, they'll see." Like, I, and 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 you even go. You went on to say that like, now you had absolute confidence that what you and Jason were doing was, and you and you did. You hit it out of the park. It's great. But there was this element of even like. Keeping that question going by engaging with the way that people were engaging in your film, yeah, and you it said that like you had screened the heck out of the thing when and, and really were like showing it to people you trust, you, buying this or you, how do you think of Jason's performance? Yeah. Is that is that? I mean, first off, there's just two questions. One that's really interesting. I, I think most filmmakers are told, "Stay the fuck away." They are. And there are <laughs> filmmakers and authors
1: yeah. that I know who like read nothing, who say they read nothing, and if they really do, it's a level of of um, commitment to artistry and discipline that I think is so admirable that I aspire to. But yeah, I was when I said that, and I still am addicted to, yeah, to just searching, to knowing, to wanting to know what's out there. I mean, I've heard people compare it to being a cutter, Mm -hmm. to being a masochist, that's what it's like, (laughs) or some version of insanity, really trying to like do that deep dive into what um, is out there and what people are saying. Um, And it it may be, so I mean, I'll, Probably, having made this film, um, I'll probably ask some serious questions about, um, you know, how how intentionally I'm living my life. And you
0: know. well, I mean, because there's, a, I mean, there, but the other thing that's also very revealing here is, is that, and I don't think this is unusual that that, of course, in a, a major undertaking like making a movie, you, um, you're going to have your doubts. Yeah. Am I doing? And, and, and sure. That, and, and I, you know, but what you're revealing here also, because that was a huge part of this. I mean, is that something? Where, like, for example, in the process of making the circle, yeah. you were kind of constantly—is that doubting process of like, is you know, I don't know what your, I don't know, did you have specific doubts about the world, what you were doing with the with the circle? I mean,
1: I think I, I've always, I believe in the power of like fear and nightmares <laughs> <laughs> to be something that um, can keep one engaged. You know, what mm-hmm. I mean, making films. There's harder jobs in the world, but it's. Sometimes, sometimes it feels like a hard job, and it's not, it's not necessarily a quick one. You know? I mean, a film is something from like the um, initial idea to like the very, very end of, mm-hmm. of um, you know, bringing out into the world or doing a DVD comedy or whatever. That could be ye- years mm-hmm. of your life. So it has to be something that I think as a filmmaker, you wanna wake up and like think about obsessively all day and mm-hmm. talk about with
0: everyone around you. Um, So that kind of drives. so so I don't know, maybe you you could give an example from the circle of something that you were, is there something where it's like that fear is actively driving you to work harder with an actor, to work harder with your your production team, your cinematographer, to like kind of, I mean, I don't know, maybe you can give an example, because the circle is obviously a big film and you're creating this whole.
1: For me, it was
0: um, the part of myself that
1: related to to May Holland Mm -hmm. in the worst ways, in the way that, like that quote that you read, that part of me that's like, I'm addicted, I need to do this, like that Mm -hmm. is someone... That's a junkie speaking. (laughs) A certain type of junkie to their screens and to the information that's all out there and it's just waiting for you to know it. And how can you not know it? That sort of fear of missing out and fear of not knowing, like that's a compulsion that I don't think is healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't judge anyone else. I mean, I think that's probably a lot of people feel that way. Um, I'm maybe more extreme, but I recognize that in myself and I recognize that in the character that Dave wrote. And maybe i'm maybe it's too late for me but like my wife and i we have two kids you know when i read dave's book my daughter or rather my son was about to be born and then uh, a year and a half later we had my daughter and you know i i was you know my wife and i talked a lot about what we were going to share and what we wouldn't share with just like friends and family or whether we would put stuff on instagram or and you know and i really really want my kids um, to have what, what seems like freedom. Um, the, the freedom that I had to just like, I was like a total juvenile delinquent and like made many stupid, <laughs> stupid decisions and- um, You're wondering if they were on Instagram or- if Well, they, if, <laughs> if they had been, if there had been a record, it would have really boned me, right? Yeah. Like when I was trying to go to college, trying to apply for a job, trying to just not be humiliated in the eyes of my children. <laughs> um, I'm glad that they exist only in my memory and the memory of a handful of people. Um, it would be nice if my kids had that option and we'll do what we can, mm-hmm. but I realize that past a certain point, I mean, they're one and a half and three, mm-hmm. probably in 10, 15 years, I don't, I don't know that we'll have any say in the matter. I think, I think their public life, public being when mm-hmm. they step out the door, when they get in a car, when they buy something, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever, when they certainly, when they search for something, it'll all be part of, it'll be collected and could, be,
0: um, could hurt them in some um, direct or indirect way. And what about the film, though, itself, in that sense of, um, I mean, clearly what you just, and when people see the movie, they'll realize how much of what James just said is clearly the big question you're asking yourself in making this film. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm wondering, though, going into this, I mean, I, I'm so fascinated by the fact that, you know, what drives uh, End of Tour to a large degree is, is how much you and Jason were able to capture, at least in my opinion, I, uh, David Foster Wallace, and not that I knew him, but a sense of, of a man instead of an icon. And I, I, I'm wondering, going into the circle, what is that thing, I mean, what you just described is I think why you were motivated to make the film. Yeah. But what was that thing that you were worried about in terms of executing, in terms of like, is this going to read to the audience? Is this going to you know, what was that thing that was kind of, haunt? you're saying you're driven by fear, what was that, what yeah. was that fear of this film?
1: Um, I think um, the audience, you know, I, I think I, I wanted constantly, like like Emma Watson was my biggest collaborator mm-hmm. in this film because she's in pretty much every frame yes. of the movie. Um, and she is someone that is hugely admirable in life. Mm-hmm. Like she's an amazing actor, she has a brilliant mind, she's a political figure who is strong, um, and I think for many people, um, you know, she is the voice of a generation. Mm. Um, that's, that's the best of us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so those parts of, of, of May that are admirable and mm-hmm. idealistic in a millennial way, that, that's easy in casting someone like Emma. Um, asking Emma to go to a place and um, that, again, exemplifies maybe the worst parts of my needy, sad, lonely, anxious, scared personality mm-hmm. that can be really catalyzed and have gasoline thrown onto it when I go online. Like, asking her to, to tap into that, asking her to tap into it from her own experience, being someone who's been in the public eye since she
0: was a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know. And when she puts herself out there with these issues. Oh man. It's, it's, it's instantly engaged. I mean, cause she takes very, I mean, I know exa- she puts herself out there taking very strong stance. Is, and, and is, is very sharp and in what she has to say. I mean, she, it's really admirable, but I mean, of course, that is instantly out. I mean, she sp- says something, it's like Twitter's on fire.
1: Yeah, I mean, it would be, it's not really brave for me to like speak my mind on a political issue because very few people would listen. When she does, yeah, everybody listens and scrutinizes and picks apart and can be casually cruel and judgmental and Emma shoulders that well. It's, it's the world, it's the life that she's known since mm-hmm. she was very young. Um, so, you know, I, I, I wanted, you know, her to be a character. I wanted May to be a character who kind of is the beginning of the film. She says she's most afraid of unfulfilled potential. She's someone that feels listless, directionless, kind of feels like she has a purpose in the world. Mm-hmm. She hasn't quite found her place. And she's just looking for that moment, that opportunity. And she gets it. And, um, and I think she's, in her own way, idealistic to the end. Um, <laughs> And she, you know, has a vision of what would be a better world. But um, I think for a lot of it, us, it's probably a pretty scary vision.
0: Um, you adapted this uh, with uh, David Eggers. Now, was this a, a true co-writing thing, or is it more like you took different stabs at a draft, or were you were you actually, you know, working on each draft together?
1: It was. It was. Um, you know, when I first talked to Dave, um, you know, he was just. You know he was very forthright and said basically you know his favorite like book to film adaptations um, necessarily um, invent <laughs> like reduce in you know like they recognize that they're two different mediums mm-hmm. um, you know bu- books and films and he was res- really urged me to not be like just adherent or overly respectful of the book mm-hmm. I mean books are big sure. unwieldy collections of ideas and this one is uh, that i mean a, a literal adaptation of dave's book i think would have made a 8 to 10 hour miniseries that might have been great yeah. um, but, but to make it into like an hour 45 minute film was a different proposition dave said that which was great and empowered me um, i was still kind of afraid i think that man when i actually start cutting out characters mm-hmm. cuz i can't write a 180 page script mm-hmm. is he going to hate me and um, and, you know, he was wonderful. Like when he, you know. So he was sharing drafts with him. You're, yeah, you're he, he, was the, he was the first person to read a draft. It was still a big, unwieldy, <laughs> way too long script. But, you know, he printed it out and wrote, wrote notes on it, like penciled in notes and sent mm-hmm. it to me. And it was like really supportive. And then I just, we went back and forth. I just shared it with him. And then sort of later as, you know, as, as there were, it was like, I, you know, when I couldn't figure out how to get something down to size, he had ideas and he would get involved. And he would, you know, as the process moved on, you know, he he was super involved and had plenty of ideas, like wonderful ideas. I mean, he's, you know, he's written, he's written, you know, he co-wrote Where the Wild Things Are, mm-hmm. he wrote a film uh, with his wife, and like he's he's a great writer, and he's just endlessly creative and supportive and collaborative. So it was like a really fun,
0: as someone who's loved his writing for so long, it was a fun collaboration. And I apologize, I haven't read the book. What was the biggest, from a filmmaking standpoint, mm-hmm. like I understand what you're saying, what you've just captured beautifully is the fact that is the Finding the story, a, yeah. an arc that will work in a, in a two-hour movie, um, from a world standpoint, and thinking about like I have to put this on the screen. Yeah. And what you're going to do? What was that biggest challenge in terms of in that? Because I'm sure that's something that happens during the adaptation process. Yeah. Is like, what what am I going to do with this in terms of movie? What was the kind of conversation that you and Dave were having on the, about the?
1: Um, you know, I mean, the things that I was thinking about that were aside from like which characters or like plot threads will have to go because yeah. that plot thread equals 25 minutes of screen time you know, in <laughs> and of itself. Uh, aside from thinking of that, it was when, the, when radical ideas are articulated in the film by Emma's character. You know, mm-hmm. when, when, you know I mean, People document their lives already, um, but for the most part, the, the dirty secret is that our lives are pretty boring. My life is boring. No one would want to watch it. Yeah. If I right. had access to like trade secrets, you know, at a at a like trillion dollar company, um, or in the government, like people might might listen. Mm-hmm. They might be curious, um, and sort of the ripple effect of that. Um, you know, in, in the book, um, you you both understand her character and sort of maybe, or you both understand and don't understand. I think she's it's it's may can be a bit of a cipher at times. It's hard to tell whether she genuinely believes these things or whether she's being manipulated. But when she suggests just the Oh, you know, what 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 if we got involved in uh, elections, you know, kind of these sort of well-intentioned kind of what seem like benign mm-hmm. ideas the way she says them but are actually pretty horrifying. Mm-hmm. You know, it was how big are we going to explode out the world um, in the movie. Like right. do we have time how we, big is this conspiracy going to be? How, how big is the How danger big are that? we are we going to like show yeah. the, do we want to Once she, once her dream job becomes a cult, do we really want to stay in the-
0: And that's also such a tricky thing from a storyteller standpoint, because at that moment, you know, it is Emma Watson. It is, and as you, just listening to you, it's clear that's your way in that character and also collaborating with her. And so that's such a big thing of where the audience is going to be at that moment where, I mean, I don't know what, Personally, at that moment, I was like, "Oh, that's not a good idea." Yeah, you know, no, that's, that's no. not something. I yeah, no, it's, so, not a good but, idea. it's not a good idea. Definitely uh, not.
1: A, we should not privatize elections. And then you're, in the United United States. States. you're looking over. You're looking.
0: You're over looking at and Oswald and uh, Tom Hanks, and you're going, "Oh yeah, this isn't there." You know, it's like this is not going to go well. Yeah. So that's a tough thing, right? That element of like doing that with your protagonist, especially for a director like you, yeah. where it's like so much of that subjectivity and that way into this world and even balancing the two worlds of the inside and the outside s- circle is her.
1: Yeah, and I mean, the thing is, it's like, the, the different, like, I mean, I love 70s paranoid conspiracy thrillers, mm. I mean, Conversation, Three Days of the Condor. Like, the, the bad guys in this world, they're not anonymous um, men in black, um, people in helicopters surveilling them. Mm-hmm. The bad guys aren't even that bad, Do you know what I mean? They're straw men, they're guys who, I mean, Eamon, Tom's, Tom's character, is an idealistic guy. He actually believes in like, that that technology can democratize the world, that everyone should have equal access to all information. Like he believes it in his heart because it's from the spirit of social justice. It's just, the company also happens to be making billions of dollars. (laughs) Um, And for those that want to opt out and not participate in that experiment, it presents a real um, snag. So I mean, yeah, I think we as an audience, yeah, we know, yeah, this is not, not a good thing. But it's, for me, what most interests me isn't the like the who done it, or are they really bad, or any of this? It's like no, they're all kind of you know. Pat Patton's character is someone that's mostly interested in making money, perhaps, but like pretty idealistic. But um, but at the end of the day, like Emma's character, May's desire to live an important life, to use technology to make it better as she perceives it, mm-hmm. like that, I think she exemplifies the best and worst um, in in say what we're doing with technology and in our own relationship to it and and what we're willing to share of ourselves or what we feel like we have to share.
0: Your film, your first film, Smash, was at Sundance in 2012. Uh, Spectacular Now was at Sundance in 2013. And I I look at some of the filmmakers that were there around the same time. And you've got got Ryan Coogler just wrapped a Marvel movie. Uh, I know you're friends with Colin Trevorrow, mm-hmm. he's already got a billion dollar Jurassic Park in his pocket. Yeah. He's about, I don't know if he's starting or about to start a new Star Wars yeah. movie, you know, David Lowry, uh, you know, track in and, and now you're doing The Circle. And it's, it's something that, and I'm not talking about success here, what I'm talking about is scale. Mm-hmm. It's such a short time frame, and with the middle that's dropped out of movies, it's such a big, and you just have done it yourself, this, I mean, you've always worked with known actors, there's a scale aspect here of like going from working on these smaller films that we would normally see at Sundance to working you know I think most directors that in, in, in times past it's steps mm-hmm. Is it, having just done this yourself and having that big jump what is that like what is that and I'm sure these are also I'm sure I know you're friends with Colin and I'm sure you know some of these other filmmakers and this is discussions that you guys are having but that like jump from a $2 million movie to something that's so much bigger.
1: Yeah, I mean, for myself, I mean, my, you know, um, appearances might be deceiving in this regard, in, in as much as, like, The Circle is still legitimately an independent film with with a budget that's um, you know, a drop in the bucket of like a, you know, a Star Wars or something like
0: there that. There is a scale aspect, there is a world, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean it's that's obviously not Jurassic Park. Yeah, 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 I
1: mean, it's, it's you know, it's, I think, I, I think, um, you know, and free, freedom is a freedom as a filmmaker is a very subjective thing like money can buy you time money can buy you resources if you're making something that's of a certain size there's a level mm-hmm. of corporate interest mm-hmm. that is much more invasive mm-hmm. you know i think we probably maxed out about how big our budget could be which was less than a lot of stars make <laughs> on a single movie single big budget movie um for this but i think the story that we were telling was one that it's a movie you know it's interested in uh, issues that pertain to all of us that are um, somewhat political in nature and that don't involve mm-hmm. uh, you know that, that 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 aren't like that don't have the built-in branding of something like Marvel right. um, so this to me felt like a nice step where it was if we had made it much bigger if we would made it with a studio mm-hmm. um, it would have been a different different beast I mean I, I am writing for something something for Disney but it's a completely original idea mm-hmm. um, that who knows if I'll
0: you know is that the, is that a wild titty you're talking yeah, about yeah yeah yeah
1: and again it's not based on anything that anyone knows so it doesn't have everyone seems to be interested <laughs> in like pre-existing is it a comic mm-hmm. book is it a part of a franchise is it it's totally original um, it will definitely require more money than I've ever dealt with before um, if you know I'm lucky enough to get to make it so i mean this was a nice you know a nice step in that way
0: i have to ask I, there was a script that when it was on the blacklist that I was instantly intrigued by Rodham, mm-hmm. which I know you were slated to do, and this is the story of Hillary Clinton at a certain time in her life. Yeah. I guess Watergate and then the decision to kind of go to Arkansas, or is it just Watergate? Is yeah, it no, it's,
1: it's like her, um, essentially, from right out of law school to going to DC um, and working sort of, uh, a guy named John Doerr put together within the House Judiciary Committee um, a group of uh, legal minds that would, were gonna create a legal foundation to mm-hmm. impeach the president. Um, and it was a bipartisan group, Republican, Democrat. Um, there were, you know, there were very well-known people and the people that were fairly anonymous and young at that point, like like um, Hillary Rodham and, and, um, and Bernie Nussbaum and Bill Weld. Um, so it was about that group. It was about that. About group. that group, about sort of that beehive of people who are working across the aisle um, to um, protect the integrity of, of the White House and of, of, of democracy in a really kind of idealistic way, which... She was doing, you know, not as a superstar, as someone that was essentially on the B team or the C team right. in that group. She was young, as a lot of them were. Um, young,
0: w- smart, but, young, not, young, but establishing, not establishing. Not established yes.
1: she, was, she was not as known as some of the other people. And she was also balancing it with her relationship with her boyfriend, Bill Clinton, who was in Arkansas at the time, and balancing her personal and political life. And, yeah, and it goes through... Uh, the impeachment of Nixon, at which point she sort of had a golden ticket name, her job in DC, and she moved to Arkansas. People I know
0: that have read the script and and what it captures about her at this moment and this transitional moment, I can't think of a better director than you to kind of capture this. And it's funny, I I, I have to know what happened to it. Is this one of these things where the election, it just becomes too tricky, and and, and now after, I mean.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was definitely something that, um, you know, for myself, I would never want to make this goes for The Circle or a movie
0: about Hillary Clinton, something that was overtly a propaganda film, you know, that was like, that was for or against something. And for. anything you do about her in that time period is going to be read that way, right?
1: The idea that something you could make, even something that genuinely is a character study of someone that, that ends 40 years ago, the idea that it could be weaponized yeah. to hurt, to hurt someone um, is something I, I'm not interested in. Also, there's a level of scrutiny when you're dealing with a character that's one of the most famous people on Earth where you just have to get it so, so perfect. Um, So, you know, it's interesting. I mean, because it takes place a long time ago, it's still, I think, an incredibly relevant, moving, provocative story. What's what's
0: relevant about Watergate and 2017? Yeah, exactly, exactly.
1: And actually, actually people getting into public service for all the right reasons. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of, there's something given, obviously, what's happened the past year.
0: You don't sound like you've given up on it.
1: To me, there's something, tragic like to be honest i mean tragic at this point in time for our country mm-hmm. um and tragic that someone who genuinely i mean this captures someone in their mid-20s who be- was the best of us you know like in so a, you're a, not in saying
0: a, no to eventually making this movie
1: no no i, I think i think she was a deeply at the, the, the time that it looks at she was a deeply deeply inspiring person mm-hmm. um, who was clearly going to go on and, and change the world and you're currently writing Wild City, right? I am currently writing Wild City, okay. yeah. All right, super. James, thank you so much. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Take care. Yeah. You too.